welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with worship leader from the US, Roy Fields. Now I've seen Roy quite a bit over the last year uh, through a uh, satellite TV I've got set up in my house. Uh, Roy's quite well known through leading worship over at the uh, Florida Outpouring uh, in uh, 2008. He's been travelling around Australia uh, in Brisbane, Melbourne. He's heading off to Perth soon. I've uh, been in New Zealand. Uh, and, uh, mate, welcome to Australia. How you doing? Very good, very good. Now, tell me, you've been here for a couple of weeks. What do you think of Australia? I love Australia. It's yeah. nice and warm here. I love the ocean. I love the fact that you have cliffs that go into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that in America. So. <laughs> do you surf? Have you been, you been no, in the water? I don't, bit? I'm, not, I'm not much of a surfer because I don't like to, to be around water where it has sharks. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of my issue. And have we been friendly to you? Like We love Americans oh, over here. You know? <laughs> yeah, you guys have been great. It's been wonderful. I've flown all around already, and I've what I've seen has just been unbelievable. Mm. Our team's been blown away by the scenery, and the people here are really nice, you know, mm. a little bit more hospitable than maybe, say, Americans are. I mm. think you guys are putting us to shame, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> oh, good. Well, it's, it's a real uh, privilege to have you here in the studio. Uh, like I said, I've watched your show. I mean, you know, watch your show on TV quite a bit and <laughs> went, went to your conference at Brisbane recently. And, okay. Uh, I walked in and you were singing uh, Rain Down, you know, yep. the Delirious song. Yep. Uh, and Smith. the whole place was just jumping up and down. <laughs> I could just, I felt like it was vibrating when I walked into the room. And uh, it's just been amazing to see how uh, God's been using you with your music. Um, let's go back to the beginning. You uh, sure. you grew up with a uh, as an only child with with a single mum over in the states. Yeah, my uh, my parents uh, had separated and were divorced when I was about two and a half years of age, and uh, my mom raised me up. Took me to church every Sunday morning, and sometimes she'd go to a Wednesday night meeting, and every occasion she'd take me to a Friday night believers meeting or something. That they would have all night prayer meetings and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was kind of rough growing up. Uh, my mom worked fourteen hour days, you know, some well twelve to fourteen hour days sometimes, just trying to make ends meet to take care of me. And uh, I had no siblings or anything, so. No brothers or sisters to to share Christmas with, which means Christmas was great because <laughs> I got I got gifts from my dad and I got gifts from my mom. I got gifts from my dad's side and my mom's side. Um, around eight years of age, um, my mom took me to church one time and uh, she basically said, "Son, I need you to ask the Lord into your heart." And I said, "Why?" She said, "Because I'm going to paddle you for a very long time unless you give your heart to the Lord." That was pretty much it. I mean, that's well, the real deal. Yeah. And so I came down kind of out of fear. She kind of scared the hell out of you, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to say it. Yeah, she yeah. scared the hell out of me. <laughs> and uh, so I, I came down and asked the Lord in my heart, and uh, but you know, it, it didn't really sit with me until I got older, and I didn't understand what I did. But uh, that's kind of how it was growing up. I mean, my, my mom, I watched my mom struggle a lot and everything, uh, not having the husband in her life and everything, and she'd cry herself to sleep sometimes, you know. She'd say, Lord, please, you know, do something with me and give my son a father and give me a husband, and mm. if you don't, get me out of here kind of thing. <laughs> so. so a lot of people that have like a, a Christian upbringing stray a bit when they're in their teenage years, mm. did you? Did you do the prodigal son thing? Were you away from God oh, for a yeah. while? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, around age eight, my mom decided that I should go stay with my dad for about a year and a half. I was, I was pretty unbearable actually as a kid. I was full of rage and stuff in my life, and uh, had a hard time with authority and stuff like that. 
And so my mom sent me to my dad, and I was there for a year and a half, and he could only handle me so much. And Mm. then he sent me back to her, and I got into a lot of trouble around 12 years old. Yeah, I had a couple prodigal son incidences, actually. Uh, When I was 16, when I was uh, 18, and then 21, you know, just Mm. going in and out. Not knowing who God really was until I had a real encounter with God, I didn't know even know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even know who God really was. I was just following the bouncing ball, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, on Disney, they mm-hmm. sing and they have a little bouncing ball. <laughs> it goes over the words. This kind of was my life. I just followed the ball where it was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, though. And then at twenty-one was when you really made the commitment. You had, you had an encounter with God. <clears throat> I had well through my life. Um, uh, I'd have to say when I was. Uh, 16 is probably when things really took a turn. Uh, I had a prophet spoken to my life, and he saw he saw me in Africa, and he prophesied. I was in New York when he prophesied this very, very spot-on prophet who what he speaks comes to pass kind of thing. And he spoke a word of my life, and he said, you know, I'm going to use you mightily in Africa, and it should be for my glory just to show you I'm not a respecter of people. And... You know, we were thinking to ourselves, what, Africa? You know, I'm not going to Africa. What are you talking about? But two years later, my mom remarries after 16 years. And he prophesied to her, too. He said, there's a blessing coming this year. And she marries this guy who ends up paying for me to go to Africa because the spot opened up. And it just all came together. And I had an amazing time in Africa because... I didn't know anything of the Spirit. I didn't know anything about God really that much. I just went to church, heard about Him. And He had me uh, minister in a, um, a high school of like a thousand kids. And they were flipped upside down for the Lord. I mean, we had meetings like Benny Hinn kind of meetings. You know, eight kids started out with eight kids in a meeting. And then uh, all I had was two books of me. I had Smith Wigglesworth and I had the Bible. And... I, I didn't know anything of the Spirit. I just let the Holy Spirit teach me. Just like the Bible says, it's the anointing within you that teaches you these things that you don't even need to be taught. It's kind of thing. So that's where I was, and God moved powerfully. We saw uh, people healed. Uh, we saw people saved. We had people that were touched in our meetings so much so that they would go back to their dorm room. But we're talking like 14-year-old girls, 14-year-old boys, and they would wake up in the middle of the night shouting in tongues and mm. praising God. Mm. They were so touched in the meetings. And after a week of meetings, we saw um, an entire campus come together in a cafeteria. And the staff were so blown away that these kids were so interested in God. And I was blown away because I was the guy who was preaching. And I didn't have a guitar with me. I didn't have a keyboard with me. I didn't have a sound system. It was just me and the Holy Ghost, so to speak. Mm. And even after that, when I came back to the States, I tried to tell my story to people. And some people didn't even believe that it happened, even though I was there and I had pictures and the whole nine yards. And it really discouraged me. So I thought, well, forget this church thing. You know, maybe I just, it's all emotional and stuff. And so I backslid from 18 to 21. And then I went to New York City. I got jumped by 27 gang members there. Uh, they almost killed me, and uh, I had two girls with me. They almost raped the two girls in the, in the van with me. Uh, and I remember crying out, Lord, if you get me out of this, you know, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> and by age 21, uh, I backslid from like 18 to 21. Uh, and uh, in that time, 
it was pretty rough because now I'd been in church and here I am, you know, I was I was sleeping around, I was smoking, I was cussing, I hated authority. If you were a pastor, just being real honest, if you were a pastor back then and you said anything to me, I'd like flip you the bird, which the bird is the middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would I would be smoking a cigarette while doing that because mm. I was so angry. Mm. And one one night I had this girlfriend living with me in Vestal, New York, and I think it was November ninety seven, I came out of my I came out of my apartment and I told God, I yelled at the top of my lungs, I said, God I said, If you don't change my heart, you can get me out of here and I didn't care if I died. Mm. And when I cried out it was real to me that he heard me. And I can't explain it. Two hours later a guy calls me up and says, The Lord put you on my heart. At what point, Roy, do you feel like God ever forsook you? And I said, I, I've done so many things wrong. He goes, nah, dude, listen. He said he'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. He said, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I found Jesus again. And I moved from New York down to Florida. And the rest is history because mm. I met my wife, got into full-time ministry, changed everything. I quit cold turkey, gave up my girlfriend that day. Told her, look, you know, I don't love you. What we're doing together is wrong anyway. And, yeah, I mean, things just changed. You know, I just love hearing the stories about how people were so broken and so backslidden away from God, and then they have that encounter with God, mm. and then they end up, you know, making history. They end up doing stuff mm. that, that changes the world, you know. So you've had a a big uh, launch of your ministry in the last couple of years you know you've had yeah. 100 million people watch you on sure. satellite tv you've y- your albums are probably selling like hotcakes all over the oh, place yeah. your website's got all this traffic you know yeah uh, tell me how that's affected you in the last couple of years well i would say definitely in the last year has been an amazing blur because mm. <laughs> i just i've i've already been to the united kingdom and now i'm in australia and we're heading to south africa and Oh, Lord, it's a blur. <laughs> I'll just tell you. The way I can say it is after I met my wife and everything, we had two kids, uh, a boy and a girl, David and Joy. They're nine and eight years old. And um, I was serving a church, and I was a worship leader. We were a church of about 75 people. And in a year and a half, we put a, I put a worship team together. I, I used what we had in the church, which wasn't that many talented people, but I just believed in them like I would expect somebody to believe in me. And I just worked with them for a year and a half. Well, we grew from 75 to 235 or 265, somewhere around there. And the place was hopping and everything. But I've been serving ministries for 18 years. And especially when, you know, your pastor is preaching about get a vision, get a vision, get a vision, you know, believe God for a vision. Well, what happens when you get one? Mm-hmm. And uh, it just came to a place where I got a vision from my life, especially being to Africa and seeing God move the way he did. And I have to say, it just really got in me to go after God and do something with my family. And so four years ago, basically what happened is the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give up your house and I want you to give everything away inside your house. I want you to go on the road. And so we had already, my wife and I were already together uh, going and ministering up in New York. I had two invites in my whole life right there. Mm. It was upstate New York, and then it was Louisville, Kentucky. And they were preaching engagements. They weren't necessarily singing engagements. Mm. And something just stirred in me. Next thing you know, we were getting invited all over the place upstate New York. 
And we were having amazing meetings, so it wasn't like I was just coming to sing a song. I would preach. We'd give an altar call. Kids would get saved. I was in a youth group one night where all these kids were lined up, and we really had an encounter with God. And this woman, uh, I say this woman, this 21-year-old girl came up to me, and she gave me a big hug, and she was crying and sobbing. She says, I'm a Catholic. I've never felt God like that ever in my life. Thank you. And it just hit me, wow, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Mm. You know, and I already knew that when I was 11. We mm. never covered that because mm. when I was 11, I was in a, a small little house meeting. And there were five guitarists lined up across the living room. And there were about 60 people jammed in this room. And they were worshiping. And that's when I first felt the presence of God in my life. And I said, Lord, I want to do that the rest of my life. I said, mm. I want to lead worship the rest of my life. Mm. And I got a guitar and the rest is history. I learned keyboard and drums and everything. So I bring that up till now to speed, and now I'm on the road, and my wife and I are in complete agreement with everything, and we decided, that's it, let's give up our home, let's give up everything. We gave everything away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like called people, said, come and get it, and man, they were there in 30 seconds. <laughs> they came and grabbed the stuff, and they left. You know, like, where were you when we were moving in our house, you know? And uh, so... Uh, we got on the road and we were having small meetings you know it wasn't we were having large meetings nobody knew who i was nobody knew what was going on they didn't you know know those who labor among you and everything and uh within the first year we started seeing some major fruit and uh we met a guy by the name of shane willard mm-hmm. i think you've heard of shane yep, willard. shane's been out to australia and, and sure. spoken yep, yep shane's well known around mm-hmm. australia here and uh he uh, he came, you know, he went from the Jesus Dome in South Africa, 5,000 people, to my little house in Johnson City, New York, and he t- preached to like 12 to 20 people. And because we had a ministry my parents did down below in the basement where we had revival meetings and there was like 150 people coming. Well, we had a flood before Shane came, so nobody came to the meeting except for 12 people. Yeah. And Shane came and just preached just like he would to a 5,000 group crowd and um, three days later after the meeting, he said a couple things to me that released me in my heart. And I prayed another prayer, like I call it the prayer of consecration. And when I prayed this prayer, God, like, I can't explain it. Like I said to the Lord, Lord, whatever you want, you can have. And I had already given everything up. But I, it was like we we were starting to get booked around. We had money. My wife and I has got a great relationship. Everything's going good. So I wasn't praying out of a valley. Oh, God, get us out of this mess and everything. I was praying a prayer of consecration like for Job. Mm. You know, I trust you, Lord. Though you slay me, I trust you. And I was telling the Lord this this day. I said, Lord, if you want to take everything from me, i got to have you. And mm. that was where I was coming from. And all I can tell you is this is right after Shane. Um, I pull the car over. It's 1130 at night. And I'm I'm hyperventilating as I'm praying this prayer. And I said, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. And like all of a sudden, I felt a demonic voice come out of my throat. I can't. Now, this is really strange. It's really weird for people to understand. Just imagine how I felt. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm going, this is weird. But something came out of, a voice came out, a very low voice. And it was rage. It was anger and everything. I look in the rearview mirror and my eyes look like I've been crying for 30 minutes. And I said this, I said, Jesus, is that you? Not the voice, but what caused it to come out. Mm. And I felt somebody get into the car with me. Nobody was there. I felt somebody get into the car and sit down with me. And I felt the presence of God. 
And it wasn't like an exciting, nice feeling. It was a very fearful, reverential fear that came over me. And all of a sudden, all I can tell you is when I said, Jesus is at you, and I felt him sit down or whoever it was. It could have been an angel. It could have been anything. And I don't have these kind of encounters. I just don't. I haven't in the past. Sits down. I felt all the weight of 30 years go off my back. Mm. It felt like I got saved. Mm. Like, again. Mm. And I grabbed my Bible, and I got back on the road, and I was like, You're Jehovah Jireh, you're Jehovah Sidkenu, you're Jehovah Nisi, you're Jehovah Rapha, you're Everlasting Father, Lily of the Valley, Forest Reptiles. I'm going nuts. I'm going crazy. And I go and get my wife, and I said, I don't know what happened to me today, but everything in our ministry has just completely changed. Mm. I don't understand. All I know is Jesus just touched me just mm. now. Mm. I just felt the Lord. And Melanie's like, really? Wow, wow. And I'm like, I'm shaking and I'm hyperventilating and I, I didn't, I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. And so Melanie knows, my wife knows something's up. The very next day, we were believing God for an SUV, a sport utility vehicle, so we could travel around in ministry. Mm-hmm. I was so touched. And we only had $5,000 and we needed another 5000 And I was so touched by what the Lord did. I was so shaken to the core that I even had a woman the next day give me the $5,000 and it didn't even phase me. Normally it would phase me. It didn't even phase me. I didn't care. And the presence of God was so strong in my life that I told her, I said, you won't believe what happened to me. I said, this is great what you're doing for me, but let me tell you what God did for me last mm-hmm. night. Like, I didn't even care about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, starts crying, mm-hmm. you know, and she starts to feel the presence of God. Well, Roy, I reckon you're a history maker. I, I've just been so inspired to hear the story about how God's used you, and I'm sure I'm going to hear plenty of stories about how God's going to use you in the future. Um, now, if people want to find out more about your music or about uh, your ministry that you have, uh, what's the best websites for them to go to? Uh, the best thing they can do is go to runwithfire.com. That's R-U-N-W-I-T-H-F-I-R-E.com, runwithfire. Somebody said, isn't that dangerous? <laughs> and I said, yeah, we got a ministry called Run With Scissors. Next year we're starting. So. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Runwithfire.com, then they can get everything from there. I have an artist website, and then the music, that is all the teaching, all the um, music is available through that website. So. Fantastic. And you're over in, in Perth at Margaret Court's Church. Many That's people right. would, would know I, Margaret uh, from Wimbledon, being a famous tennis player in Australia. She's a pastor over in Perth. There's a history, mate. Yeah, that's right. I've got to interview her one day. That's right. <laughs> Put in a good word for me. All right, I will. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to uh, hear this interview again or uh, see the link to Roy's website, just go to historymakersradio.com. You can download all sorts of goodies there. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for joining us, Roy. God bless you, mate. Absolutely. God bless you. History Makers.